Hey, Adam, guess what time it is? It's time to crack the customer code. Welcome to episode 60 of Crack the Customer Code. I'm Jeannie Walters, and I'm here with my partner in crime and co-host, Adam Toporek. I went from ninja to partner in crime. (laughs) (laughs) All these different titles. I thank you, Jeannie. (laughs) So we have Jeremy Watkin today, our buddy, and he's got this new job, and it's awesome, and I love everything he had to say. So we're going to talk about call centers and contact centers, which is actually a pretty new topic for us. We are here on episode 60, and I do not think we've covered this key customer service uh, area. So I am looking forward to that. But first, I think, Jeannie, you need to tell us a little bit of what is going on with our sponsor. That's right. Customer experience is hot, but are you taking advantage of its huge potential to make your services business more prominent and profitable? Join Service Strategies for an informative customer success workshop in San Diego on October 27th. You will learn how to create customer success while generating profitable revenue for your services business. The workshop is part of the Service Industry Summit event, which brings together leaders from companies like Cisco, Dell, and others to discuss the challenges of a changing service landscape. Visit servicestrategies.com to learn more. And if you would like to reach our listeners by being a show sponsor, you can go to crackthecustomercode.com slash sponsor for full details. So contact centers, they're not what they used to be. (laughs) Or they are what they always were. (laughs) No, (laughs) you're wrong. (laughs) So how are they different? Well, I mean, I think most people, even today, if you stop somebody on the street and you said, what do you think a company's contact center is? They would assume it's just the phone calls. It's a, a phone bank, essentially. And I think contact centers now have so many more robust offerings that they're, everybody has to manage. They're multidimensional. There's live chat, there's email, there's social, there are all these inputs from customers requiring service. Oh, absolutely. You know, Jeremy touches on some of that and some of the trends, which are very interesting. But one of the things, I think you can't really get away from the fact that offshoring of call centers or contact centers has been a huge part of the negative impact. And, you know, there's been tons of stories over the years of companies bringing back to the states because the service was so bad. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's very interesting. And you also have to look at what a contact center can represent, and that is transfers, shuffling and transfers, which we know is really bad for customer loyalty. So what I love about what Jeremy gets into is approaching it from the standpoint of culture and really, you know, sort of, taking a different approach to contact centers than I think a lot of people perceive. Right. Well, and really weaving it into the whole customer experience by understanding the culture um, of the organization so well. I think that's a really critical discussion point, and I love what he had to say about it. I do too. So let's go ahead and uh, introduce Jeremy, and then let's find out what he has to say about all this. Jeremy Watkin is the head of quality for FCR, the most disruptive and respected outsource provider. He is also the co-founder of the Communicate Better blog, a blog dedicated to observing both good and bad customer experiences with the intent of providing awesome customer service. He has been recognized by ICMI, Huffington Post, and MindTouch as a top customer service influencer and thought leader, and he is one of of Jeannie's and I's favorite folks in the 
I don't know the what do you call it the CS blogosphere. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. We just did. Let's call yeah, it that. Really, that's what we're calling it. That. We're, we're we're laying down a marker right there. And yeah, their uh, their blog is awesome. So let's go ahead and jump into this interview with Jeremy. So Jeremy, great to have you today. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Adam and Jeannie. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I'm fascinated. I'm always fascinated by work with uh, contact centers or call centers. And what's interesting is they've received such a bad reputation with customers and, uh, you know, just sort of the general public. Why do you think call centers are so unpopular? And do you think it's improving or getting worse? That is a great question. You know, um, a lot of my background is in the, uh, you know, the small startup company contact center of, um, 25 to 30 people. Um, and, you know, in that size of contact center and company for that matter, it's, it's really easy to, um, keep kind of a family culture, um, keep it kind of loose. Um, you know, a lot of these startups have these, these ideals of, um, uh, being able to do all this cool stuff, but then, um, the contact center kind of diverts from that a little bit because you need people to answer the phones. And when there's when there's a queue building up, you can't exactly go play ping pong for 30 minutes or whatever and then come back and answer calls when you Not feel like it. Not even with a Bluetooth headset? <laughs> yeah. You, could you know, I've actually done that. But, but, Multitasking uh, is a myth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, even with ping pong and customer service. Um, so, uh, so I think the bigger, you know, the bigger your call queue grows or your um, email or social media the more you have to focus on these metrics to um, get those contacts handled, um, and then that just means adding more and more headcount to to take care of that. And um, as I'm moving to, I'm kind of in a, a role where I'm in bigger contact centers. Um, we're kind of at that size where if you get much bigger, um, the people just kind of become numbers, and it's really hard to maintain a you know, a culture where people want to work and they're excited for um, customer service. And let's face it, with customer service and especially phone support, um, uh, you'll do you'll get your fair share of beatings. I know, Adam, <laughs> Adam, you talked about that in your book. Um, you get your fair share of beatings, and uh, one thing that that I think makes those beatings bearable is. Um, excitement around uh, the culture that you that you work within so um, keeping your contact center at a size where uh, where the culture stays exciting and fun and and you know you f feel like you're you're valued and and that your opinion matters you know that's all really important um, so you know I uh, I'm going to be optimistic and say that I think it's I think it's on the way up. I think it's improving. <laughs> we, We're all about the optimism here. Yeah, we yeah. will be cheerleaders in that section. I think because we really hope and want it to be on both sides of the experience. Um, so I'm curious a little bit about your specific firm and kind of what are clients expecting when they hire a firm like yours? Is it really, are they driven by the motivation of cost savings or is it to improve service levels or both? And how do you handle it when maybe they are pushing cost savings so much that maybe they're not improving service as much as you'd like? 
how can you navigate those waters a bit? That's a that's a great question. Um, you know, with our firm, we're um, at FCR. We're we're only onshore customer service. We're uh, based in small towns in Oregon, and we have um, several centers now all around Oregon. Um, which is, you know, being within within those towns, um, cost of living is a little lower, which is great. But um, if you want to compete just on price with, you know, the big offshore providers, um, we can't do that. So we're we're in a position where um, where we need to compete on value. Um, and, you know, there is some cost savings, especially if you're, you know, a startup in in uh, the Bay Area or New York or something like that. It makes a lot more sense to have your contact center somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, ways we are really um, working to increase value for our clients, especially uh, these these startups, you know, we have a lot of expertise as far as customer service. So, that goes a long way, but um, what we're really hearing from our clients is um, they want more and more insight fr- that's from the contact center. You know, when we talk about the voice of the customer, um, the contact center, they are talking to the customers all the time. So, um, so that's quite literal. The voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they actually hear the yeah. voice of the customer. Um, so, I mean, how often is customer service disjointed from the rest of the company? Um, especially if you if you outsource it. So, as a good partner and um, wanting to to be to provide the biggest value for our our clients, um, and this is what most of our clients are asking for right now is whatever insight we can give them into ways to improve the product and the service and the customer experience. Um, so. Uh, yeah, we we want to staff for service levels and stuff like that, and obviously um, monitor that as closely as we can to keep keep costs down. But um, but the more value we can um, can add for our clients, the better. And another thing that uh, you know, going back to the culture uh, in an outsourcer, you know, it's an interesting position to be in because. Um, because we, uh, we call all of our employees colleagues here. We're all kind of on that colleague level. And, um, and it's, it's an interesting dynamic because, you know, they have some loyalty to us as the company, as their employer. Um, but also we really seek to partner with our clients in a way that each of our colleagues um, identifies with with the client and they feel like they are a part of that company and that brand. And it, it makes a huge difference that the ones that really harness that partnership well. You know, uh, I used to work in fundraising consulting and one of the things we always did was really try to understand the culture of the organization first, because it makes such a difference in how you actually operate as a consultant. And essentially I think that's kind of what you're talking about is making sure that you understand the culture of the organization and what experience they're trying to deliver in order to make sure that you're matching that service appropriately. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's funny sometimes because, you know, I, I'm sure you guys have walked into plenty of startups in New York or San Francisco or LA or wherever else it's Mm -hmm. where these new startups are popping up. Chicago. I'm going to give Chicago a shout out. (laughs) 
they, you know, they have these open layouts and tables and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we, we're, uh, constantly trying to figure out how to translate that culture into the contact center. And, um, uh, admittedly we have a lot of cubicles, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but we're also getting more and more creative with our workspaces to kind of give those, um, you know, the different segments of our centers, uh, the feel of the client that they're working for to kind of match the culture. Well, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, you know, you don't, don't give away any of your secret sauce, but you know, I think a lot of people haven't worked in contact centers and aren't familiar with how they work. So how would you go about that process of bringing on a new client and sort of you know, bringing them in, finding out what they need, figuring out their culture, how to apply that in your contact center and how to execute on their behalf in the way they want? That's a great question. You know, I, uh, um, there's a, I'm, I'm learning that there is a ton of planning that goes into it. Um, and it's really, it's a back and forth dialogue, uh, where, where we, we want to learn about what their culture looks like, uh, what their values are with customer service. You know, some, um, I've been, for example, I've been looking at our, our, how we do quality at, at FCR. And spending a lot of time looking at a lot of different, uh, quality forms and a lot of, um, different clients that we work with bring their quality forms in and, you know, have their specific values ingrained in there. Um, a lot of them, you know, have something that, that kind of aligns with Zappos and they're looking for the wow in their customer <laughs> service mm-hmm. experiences. Um, so, so you get lots of little nuggets there and then, um, we're really huge on on calibrating often with our with our clients. Um, you know, when the the product that we provide is is calls, emails, and chats. So we we spend time looking at and listening um, to those to the the finished product, and you know they kind of evaluate from their side. We evaluate from our side, and we we come together and look and and see. Uh, see if we're in alignment with each other, and if we aren't, we we talk about how to improve that. Um, another thing that uh, that I'm really seeing, um, you know, when we talk about uh, things like customer satisfaction, net promoter score, seeing a lot of our clients are using customer satisfaction uh, because it, you know, it's ingrained in in most ticketing systems now, and um, most CRM systems like Zendesk and Desk and all the others that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we're looking at that, really trying to look um, at those metrics together and figure out how, uh, if we improve quality, um, how does that drive CSAT up? Uh, only a few people are, that I'm seeing are actually using NPS right now, but um, we want to work with our clients to understand which, uh, you know, which customer satisfaction metric makes the most sense for them. But, um, but really working kind of from a qualitative level to, uh, improve quality and see how that improves, um, customer satisfaction. And that's what, what I'm finding is that's really important to our clients. Well, and that's interesting because I think metrics are such a focus of everybody right now. And, Adam and I have riffed on this program and I've certainly ranted on my share fair share of blogs about it too, because 
we become a little metric obsessed and not necessarily concerned about what the metrics are actually telling us. Um, and so some of the, the negative feedback, I guess, about contact centers is that a lot of the, especially the original metrics that people used, they got very excited about like efficiency and they said, okay, well, it's most efficient if we keep somebody on the phone for the least amount of time and we resolve their problem in that first phone call, which sounds great. (laughs) But uh, as I'm sure you're aware, people who worked in those contact centers started gaming the system and they were rewarded or uh, in some cases punished based on those numbers. So they learned quickly that if they hung up on a customer, sometimes that was better than actually resolving the problem because then their time looked different. So for instance, first contact resolution is a great goal, but because it's often gamed and manipulated, which is not in the best interest of the customer, how do you really look at approaching those metrics with that, as you put it, the qualitative lens to make sure that you're really delivering the experience that your client companies certainly want for their customers, but is also what's best for the customer at the other end of the line? It's funny that FCR is a great name for a company too, isn't it? <laughs> I was I always thought it was a little scary to name your company after a, a metric, and, but but what a you know what a great a great goal, and and that's you know absolutely a focus. It's interesting, you know, being an outsourcer, uh, having having to balance um, our values with the needs of the client, and optimally, it's when our values align with the what the client wants. And, and I think we've, we've done a great job of, um, vetting, vetting our clients to, uh, to search for that alignment. Um, you know, what we've found is, uh, first of all, you know, one thing that's really important to our organization, we do a, uh, a regular employee engagement survey, um, and to kind of determine how our, how our colleagues are feeling about, about their work. And, you know, we find that um, if they're in a position where they're just working to meet the metrics like uh, average handle time and whatnot, then um, then they're not really empowered to um, to go for that first contact resolution, to um, go for the wow on every every call, or um, you know, just to re- get a good resolution on the issue. So, um, one thing we really steer our our clients toward is making sure that that work for the colleagues is, is meaningful work where they, they're able to solve problems. Um, they're able to focus on really what really matters. Um, you know, they're able to, um, to relay that voice of customer information back up to the business, to the client, um, and actually see action being taken on that. Um, you know, when we talk about CSAT as a metric, it's not really, worth that much unless you're actually um, taking action on some of those common trends and and the raw feedback that you're getting from the customer. So um, so the more we can steer toward that, the better. Uh, obviously, it's within reason. Um, you know, things like average handle time can, can definitely indicate uh, you know, if someone's new and needs more training. Um, so so you, you don't want to mm-hmm. throw them out entirely, but mm-hmm. But you also, um, it, one thing I find, contact center people are extremely bright people that are uh, some of the best problem solvers I've encountered. So um, 
so most of them, once they're trained uh, well and they understand the values of the company, they're going to, you know, be some of your biggest advocates for your customers. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, you know, keep those metrics in mind, but, but make the work meaningful for them and give them opportunities to do what they do best. And that's solve problems and, and hopefully wow customers. <laughs> that's no, it's a great point. I think context is often lost. And I think what you're talking about is looking at the metrics within the context of, you know, not just the macro situation, but what does this tell you about the person who is, you know, using the, these, uh, tools that we offer and are they getting it and all those things. So I, I think it's a great point. And it's using the metrics as a means to an end, not as the end themselves. Right. And I think that's where people get really lost. Whereas average handle time is, that's all we're looking at. Your number needs to go down yep. <laughs> consistently. Yeah. And that's, that's how we rate you with no qualitative assessment of how you're actually handling the customer. So yeah, it's great to keep that focus. And you use the term contact center. And that's interesting to me because if I think back and sadly I'm dating myself, but 20 years ago, they were all call centers, <laughs> you know, yeah. now they're really contact centers. And that's, of course, because we have so many different channels um, that are even being outsourced. So what trends are you seeing here? Is telephone support losing out to digital? Is there you know, a stopgap where you think it's going to, you know, at some point phone will stabilize? What, what are you seeing out there? It's 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 kind of all over the map. But, you know, as as I look at our organization as a whole, um, uh, especially email and chat are really catching up to phone. Um, and uh, an interesting thing, you know, when you're, when you're working with uh, a good number of startups, they have this, <laughs> this opportunity to kind of set their rules and say, these are the channels we're going to engage our customers on and we're not going to give them, we're not going to even give them a phone number or, Maybe we'll give them a phone number for emergencies, or maybe we're only going to be email only. And uh, it's interesting to watch some of these companies evolve, and it'll be interesting to see where they go. But um, but a lot seem to you know be trying be trying to go toward toward an email only model, or um, even channel more people toward email and social or or chat. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm seeing. I wish I actually had some hard data for you, but. Um, but I want to say, like, phone is kind of getting down into the, you know, 50s and 60% of the contacts that hmm. that we take on a daily basis. Um, the world's changing, Adam. You've well, got to catch I, up. I, I, you know, just like <laughs> that, tw- that Twitter piece I wrote a couple of weeks ago, I, I think there's a limit, at least in the short term, to how low phone can go because there's a complexity issue. Right. And right. there's some things you just want to handle on the phone. Now, e- email you can handle pretty complex things, but chat can get difficult. And uh, Lord knows, social is not built for complex interactions. Right. Yeah. Right. And and you know, phone. There's no replacement for phone as far as if you want that first contact resolution. Um, if you have well well empowered and trained uh, agents on the phones, um, if they can solve problems. Um, yeah, way less back and forth with with phone. You can kind of knock it out right there, which is which. Could I agree with you, Adam. There. Well, Jeremy, I think you've given a lot of things to think about, and uh, as we wrap up here, I'm just curious if you were to 
you know, put on just your customer hat and say to all the contact centers throughout the land, (laughs) (laughs) throughout the land, here's what you need to do um, in order to, you know, provide the best kind of service. What's the one thing you would, you would offer? Well, I, I will, uh, I'll, I'll tow the company line here (laughs) and, (laughs) and say, um, let's focus first on the culture of our company and focus on, you know, I saw this on the back of a big rig yesterday. It said, uh, it was on the back of the truck and it said our most valuable resource is, um, 60 feet ahead and it was, and then it had an arrow on the side of the truck. That was oh, nice. I like that. That's pretty cool. Um, so, you know, uh, and I, I have your guys' podcast rolling around in my head, your, your talk with John Murphy, and he was talking about the importance of coaching mm-hmm. as opposed to command and control. So really value your value and develop your people, uh, first and foremost. Um, and then, and then focus on, on how they can value your customers and don't, don't get that out of order. Um, or, or you'll have different results and you, you really want that, that, uh, great experience with customers and you want them to want to provide awesome customer service. So that's what I would say. Awesome. And on that note of sage and sound advice, uh, thank you so much for being with us, Jeremy. We really learned a lot. Some great insight into contact centers and how they work. Uh, tell us, where can folks find you on the Internet? Yes, I love to be found on the Internet. My, uh, <laughs> my, my Twitter handle is at JT Watkin, and my blog is communicatebetterblog.com. Which and is it a is great a great name. blog, yes. Yeah. It's also a great blog. I am uh, on there all the time. Definitely. Thank you so much. It was so great to speak with you, Adam and Jeannie. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to Episode 60 of Crack the Customer Code. I'm Adam Kaport, and my website is customersthatstick.com. Join me there to find out more about our customer service workshops and my book, Be Your Customer's Hero. And I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can find out more about me at 360connects.com. Find all of our episodes and show notes at crackthecustomercode.com. And please subscribe on iTunes so we can always find you. (laughs) No, so you will never miss an episode because what would be worse than missing an episode of Crack the Customer Code? And while you're there, leave a review, tell everybody you know, do all that stuff for us. We really appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.